Take a seat, church. Would you bow your head in prayer with me? Uh, Lord, we do just thank you for the words of that song. Father, it is, it is joy and delight that you reign. Father, we acknowledge that those, that reality is true. And Father, we thank you that you're a just king, you're a powerful king, but even more, you are a merciful and kind king. And Lord, I just, I thank you for that. And Lord, today we just invite your power and your help into our lives. Father, we pray that you would just meet us in this time, and uh, Lord, you'd mediate your grace to us. And we could live lives free from the unhealthy poles that pull on each of our souls. Help us to find that through the power of your grace and your spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good to see you this morning, church. Uh, man, big thanks for everyone for Better Together last week and for joining life groups. Uh, really appreciate that. Hope that you get connected um, and, and, and have a good experience there. And today, as we said, we're starting this new sermon series called Breathing Underwater. I'm, I'm excited about it. Um, some of the things we talk about might, you know, strike you as, as uh, different, but I want you to have an open heart to it. You with me on this? Can, can you just have an open heart? And uh, if it's lame, you know, and not helpful, you've heard lame and not helpful sermons from me before, so you'll live, you'll live, it'll be fine. Um, and uh, and, and let's, uh, let's just have an open heart to it and, and see, what, see what we can learn and do together. Um, now, I've always been fascinated by Leonardo da Vinci, not the turtle, the, the artist, you know, Mona Lisa, you know, this remarkable man and... And, you know, historians say that, that he was this, this great catalyst for the, the Renaissance, you know, part of this, this huge movement um, historically. And one of the cool things about Leonardo da Vinci is that he wasn't just good at one thing. He was good at a lot of different things. Um, you know, he, he was a polymath. He, he was interested in art. But then he was also interested in engineering. And he was interested um, in in technology, and inventing things. And what I think made him so remarkable was he was able to pull these different disciplines together. You know, he, he was a great artist, but because he was so interested in science and anatomy, he was able to, to draw, you know, and, and do greater work because of that, that interest in that. And then he was interested in engineering, but because he was an artist... He was able to bring novel ideas to his engineering. And so his ability to, to pull these different disciplines together uh, is, is what made him so remarkable. You with me on that? You, you can amen me this morning. It's cool. It's cool. Um, and, and, and I think there's something to that. And, and the reason I bring that up is because in this sermon series, I, I want to pull on some other areas of God's kingdom. See, God's kingdom is a big place, and there is a lot for us to learn as we look at different areas of God's kingdom. And I believe that the recovery community, Alcoholics Anonymous, Overcomers Outreach, Celebrate Recovery, all, all of these, I believe that, that there are certain things that they understand in their area of focus about God that I think is helpful to all of us. And I want to pull from that, church. I want to pull from that 
and, and learn and grow. Just like I love reading some people who just have this remarkable prayer life, and I, I read about prayer, and I'm like, wow, you, you have a depth and understanding about this that I want to pull from that. And so that's what this sermon series is about. That makes sense? You with me on that? Um, and so that's what we're going to do. Uh, so I think it's going to be helpful. That's my hope and prayer. Now, to get started today, I want you to think about how much power do you have in life? Think about that. Yeah. By your laughs, I'm guessing what you're thinking right now. You know, and I, I, I like the idea of having power in life, you know? I like the idea of, of being able to, to shape my life, right? I like the, if you study history, there's this idea called the great man theory of history. The great man theory of history. And here's what the great man theory of history is. It says that, that history moves through powerful individuals. And they exert their will on the world, and they change their course, the course of history. I'm like, I like that idea. That sounds cool to me. I want to exert my will on my life and push it the direction that I want it to go. Now, here's the truth, though. Don't start laughing yet. Here's the truth, though. The more I understand God, the less I believe in things like that. Anyone else? And, and, and sometimes life painfully reminds me of this truth. Just a couple weeks ago, Allie was working late. I was getting dinner for my girls, Emery and Abby. They were sitting at the table. I was tired, and I was crabby. And I was like, feed them, and let's get them to bed, you know? And I had a, a one-track mind, and I got, you know, macaroni and cheese for them, which this is a great meal for little kids, right? Or 30-year-olds, whatever, it's, it's all good. And, uh, and so I was like, okay, like, this is going to be easy. Eat the mac and cheese, and let's get to bed. So they, you know, they're sitting at their table. They start to eat it, and then, you know, it degenerates very quickly. And, and they're, you know, scooping it up with their hands, and they're laughing and cackling. And, I'm, and I pulled out every dad line I have, you know. Girls, we got to eat this. We got to get to bed. Tomorrow's a big day. Mommy's going to be home. You know, every, every thing that I, you know, you got all your go-to lines. I used every one of them repeatedly to no avail. And then finally, I just, I kind of was getting a little bit irritated. And I, I like, I'm usually, honestly, I'm usually like very patient with them, mostly because they're amazingly good kids, you know. Uh, but but I, I don't usually like raise my voice or anything like that. But but I, I got a little frustrated and, and I, uh, I said, girls, eat your mac and cheese, you know, not quite that intense, but I got a little harder tone to it. And, and Emery like snapped up and like started eating. But Abby, <laughs> she like, I saw her like, like her shoulders like drop and her face have this sinister smile and she threw her fork. And I could tell what she was saying. She's like, try me, old man. <laughs> and uh, it didn't go well after that, church. It didn't go. And I was like, I can't even make a two-year-old eat their mac and cheese. I can't even do it. And I didn't. I did. I lost. I lost. I know it's a foreshadowing of my life to come. I get that. You don't have to tell me with how you're looking at me right now. I get it. But, you know, I was like, I don't even have the power to do that. What makes me think I have the power to really change who I am at the core, right? 
let's be real. How much power do we really have? Now, here's, here's the thing, and here's the good side of this, church. Here's the good side. What if, what if the key to real progress in our life is realizing that fundamental truth? What if that is actually not a reality to deny, but a reality to actually embrace? And what if that, that is the beginning of allowing God to do what only God can do in our life? You with me on this? Now, I am not the first one to talk about this. Overcomers, alcoholics and I are not the first ones to talk about this. The Apostle Paul talked about this 2,000 years ago. And you're, you might not believe that I'm actually reading scripture to you today. You might not believe it because of what he says and how real he is. But as I read this verse, this is Romans chapter 7. If you've got a Bible with you, you can turn there. Romans 7. But I want you to listen to these verses and hear what the Apostle Paul is saying about his own life. Here it is, Romans 7. I'm going to start at verse 15. I, and I'm going to work through this slowly because I really want you to absorb this. Here's the Apostle Paul. For I do not understand my own actions. And the church said, amen. Why did I say that? You ever have that thought? Why did I do that? Why did I eat that? Why did I watch that? Why did I drink that? Why did I go there? What am I doing? Anyone? Can we be real this morning? This is, this is what Paul's saying. He's with you. For I do not understand my own actions. And then it gets, it gets more real. I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. I will never do that again. Whoops, did it. <laughs> no, this time I'm serious. I'll never do it again. Oh. I do, I, do the very, I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree the law that is good. Now, this is a complex way of saying it. Here's what, here's what Paul is saying. He's saying God has standards, and they're good. Paul is not saying my life should degenerate into anarchy because of the struggle inside me. He, he's, not, he's not giving up, and he's not victimizing himself in this. Okay, this is important. He's saying, yeah, look, God has a standard for my life, and it's good. God's standard is not the problem. That's what Paul's saying here. What, what God wants for me is not the problem. The problem is something different. He says, so it's no longer I who do it, but, but sin that dwells within me. Now, now, here's what Paul's saying. He's saying that there is a part of me that is chronically broken. There, there's a part of me that fights tooth and nail what is healthy and good and from God in my life. Church, I don't know. I think I got that part in me too. How about you? Paul says, this is, this is just, this is, I'm just being real with myself, and I'm being real with you. He says, so it's no longer I, but sin that dwells in me, for I know nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. That's that part of me. For I have the desire to do what is right. But look at this. Circle this if you, if you have a Bible with you. But not the ability to carry it out. I know what, what, what I should do. I know what, what I should think. I, I know how I should approach it. I know what habits need to live and die in my life. I know it. This is not a knowledge problem. This is a will problem. This is a life problem. 
For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, here we go. Stay with me. Now, if I do not do, if I do, I always mess this up reading this. It gets tricky. If I do what I do not want, it's no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. So I find it a law to be that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Man, the struggle is always there is what Paul's saying. But I see in my members, for I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive. Captive, circle that word, making me captive, making me in prison to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am! Who will deliver me from this body of death? Paul's saying, man, where is the hope for me? Where is the hope? Here's where it is. It's only in one place. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the most important part of this whole text right here. Thanks be to God. Where, Where is the hope? That's where it is. Where is the power? That's where it is. Thanks be to God through Christ Jesus our Lord. So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but in my flesh I serve the law of sin and death. Now, when you study this verse and you read, you know, what we call commentaries, which are Bible scholars and pastors, you know, writing their thoughts and doing language studies and all these kind of things. When when you read commentaries, here's what you will find in a lot of these about these verses. They are very uncomfortable with these verses. Very uncomfortable. And here's why. Because they say that cannot be Paul as he is, as this spiritual giant, as this mature believer, as this this man who who knows Jesus and loves Jesus and is more committed to Jesus than, than all of us. This can't be, Paul cannot be that guy and struggling this much. And they don't like it. So here's what some do. They'll say, well, well, Paul, guys, Paul, Paul, don't worry. This isn't, this isn't present reality, Paul. This is Paul talking about his old life before Jesus. Does it sound like that to you, though? I kind of have a hard time. I'm like, I get your discomfort, but I don't see it. And here's what I believe, church. I believe Paul is Paul here. He's redeemed. He's Christ-loving, Christ-preaching Paul, I believe Paul is just being real with us. And, 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 and this spiritual giant, yes, he is a spiritual giant. But this struggle is still real in him. And church, I just want you to know, you're, you're never going to get to a place where you wake up and you don't need the present power of Jesus Christ in your life. And if you think that's the place you're going to get, bad news. You don't get there. That place doesn't exist. It didn't exist for Paul, and it doesn't exist for us. And that's a fundamental misunderstanding of what it means to follow the Lord. You with me on this? And, and so I think this is Paul. And I'm so grateful because, like, I, I relate to this. How about you? Like, these are some of the most relatable verses to me in all of Scripture. But yet, there is tremendous hope here, too, isn't there? And, and this, this is Paul. 
And, and what he's talking about is just the unreasonable reality of who we are as human beings. We do the things we don't want. We do the things that, that, that we know we shouldn't. We, we're, we're pulled in the wrong ways, and, and we go with it willingly sometimes, and it's problematic to our lives. And Paul's saying, I get it. Now, I looked up this week the definition, and hear me out on this, of an addict. And I want to share it with you. I'm not saying you're one. I'm just sharing a definition here. One strongly, one strongly inclined to do use or indulge in something repeatedly. Repeatedly. Now, according to that definition, could that connect to Paul, maybe? Now, we don't know exactly what he does that he doesn't want to do. I mean, he's, he's talking a bit general, but, but Paul's saying there is this repeated pattern in my life. The things I don't want to do that I, that I know God does not want for me, I find myself doing them again and again, even though I know that's not the path for me. I mean, that, that kind of sounds like that, right? And could... Could we go out on a limb today? And maybe there's a little bit of addict in all of us. Church, could I go on that limb? I know you're not going to come back next week because I'm talking about, but, but could, could that be true? And could we just think about this in, in, in some other ways? What, what are things that, that we get in, addicted to in our life? That, that's problematic. That's problematic. Well, I just happened to put a list together this week. What are we strongly inclined towards that we know isn't helpful and healthy? What are those things? Well, here's what kind of came to my mind. There's the first things that, that we tend to think about, right? Different substances, alcohol, drugs, pills, um, all that kind of thing, right? That, and, and maybe we're like, yeah, I, I go too far. Or, or I do this, I do this in secret, I'm ashamed of it, I know it's wrong, but I'm stuck. I'm in the cycle that Paul is talking about. Now, when we talk about addict, that I think usually is where our mind goes. But let me push it, let me push it a step farther. Because you know, I like to do that. So, what about fear? Is it possible that, that, that we can be addicted to fear? Right? That, that we, we're, we're, we look at the world with a lens where we're afraid of everything that could happen. And, and we're dreaming all these terrible scenarios. And, and at the end of the day, we know that that's not healthy. And we can also see how it's held us back from all that God has for us. Is that possible, church? W what about comfort? What about, you know, we're, we're, we're addicted to the couch and the TV. Church, could, could that be? And, and we... We, we, didn't, we didn't ruin our lives with substance, but we've wasted our lives with laziness. Could that be a comfort thing? How about this one? Being right. You just can't let it go, can you? Right? Did you have to say that? No, you, you I, theoretically, I didn't have to say it, but I had to say it. Because I got to be right. And you're like, uh, you know, and, and you're trying to get your words back. At, but, you know, once the toothpaste is out, it doesn't go back in so easily. 
and, 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 it, and it's hurt relationships in our life. And at the end of the day, like, what is it? it, it it's a compulsion to, to, to be right. It's a, it's a compulsion to, you know, to make ourselves heard and known or whatever. Same thing, our way, our way or the highway, you know? People-pleasing. Some of us go through the week and someone's like, can you do this? Yes. 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 And then we go home and we lose our mind. Because we just said yes to 85 things and they all happen in one two-hour window of our week. But yet we cannot say no because if we say no, then that person is going to hate us forever, at least in our mind. And you know the reality is, they would just be like, okay, no problem. But there's something broken in us that, that says, I can't let anyone down. I can't say no. And it's made our life problematic. And we're like, why do I do this to myself again and again? Church, impressing people, living for, for image to look good, security, gossip. <laughs> here's my next list I, I got a long list here church technology right some of us if, if you take our phone away for four hours our physiology will change we'll be sweating and shaking it's like uh, oh gosh okay i'm back on instagram Woo, yeah that right like we will i mean i'm, I'm joking but but isn't technology, and I mean, how much mindless scrolling, like, we're going to stand before the Lord, and the Lord's going to be like, well, let's talk about your life. Okay, 70% of it was on your phone. So I don't have a whole lot, to th but let's talk about the 30% where you interacted with people. You know, <laughs> I mean, all right, you get what I'm saying. Bad, bad attitude, easy, being entertained, uh, you get the idea. Do I got to keep going? Let me talk about this last one, control. Anybody a control freak? Yeah. Yeah. How's that working for you? <laughs> well, it's making me very angry. I know, I get it. Nobody listens, do they? <laughs> but is there, I mean, is, is, is there a, a compulsion in that, you know? We just, we, we got to, we got to, sink our grip into life, and, and, and you and I can't do it. So, church, here, here's what I'm saying today. I want you to consider, and I, and I want to consider, is what Paul's saying true for all of us today? Is what Paul's saying true for all of us today? Now, if it is, if it is, I want you to name in, in your heart and in your mind, I want you to name what your addiction is. Because I believe but before, you know, before God can, can begin to, to heal it, we, we've got to see it for what it is, right? And, and what we love to do is, is we love to, to tell ourselves a different story than reality because it's much easier to face that story than to face the reality of our own brokenness. But here's the problem. The transforming power that we need does not come through that. It doesn't come through the false narratives that we tell ourselves. It only comes when we get in touch with the truth about our lives. You with me on this? So I want you to, 
to name it in, in your heart and in your mind. And, and can I also just point out a couple things? Paul doesn't blame anyone for his issue. Did you see that? He, he, he says it's not the law's fault. It's not God's standard. It's, it's not God's, God's desire for my life. It's, it's me. And now here's, here's what I want to say. All of us in this room, you, you have been through many things, good and bad. And I'm not minimizing that. And if we all looked at our past, it would probably explain a lot of who we are. But church, can I tell you, it doesn't excuse who we are. Do you know the difference? It explains it. Yes, it makes sense. This is why I've fallen this way. This is why I look at the world this way. It makes sense. But what Paul is showing us at the end of the day, we have to take responsibility for our own lives. No one can do it for you. And I'm not minimizing your story. I'm not minimizing your pain. I'm just being real with you, church. And, and each of us has to do it in our own way. And then one last thing, and this is so important. Do you see what Paul does here? He admits he cannot break the cycle. See that? He can't do it. He's Paul. Dude's a spiritual giant. It's like LeBron James saying, yeah, I can't beat that guy one-on-one. And then thinking to yourself, I wonder if I could. No, you can't. You with me? You, it's not going to happen, right? If LeBron's like, nope, I, I can't beat that guy, and then you're like, give me the ball. But you, seriously, dude. You know, and th- this, is, this is Paul speaking to us today in 2023. Paul's saying, I can't break it. He experienced a resurrected Christ. He was commissioned by him. He went to the third heaven one time, whatever that means. He was there. I haven't been to the first or second heaven, let alone the third. So we can't do it either. We can't do it either. This is part, I think, of the absolute beauty and power of the recovery community. Because you know what step one is? I'm going to read it to you this morning. We admitted we were powerless over our problems. Now, in AA, it would read over our alcohol. That might not be all of our issues today. Might be some of ours. You know, you, you substitute problems for whatever yours is. You with me on this? Put, put that in. We, I am powerless over this. Powerless. Like Paul. Who will set me free from this body of death? Because it's not this guy. I am powerless. And this issue has made my life unmanageable. What does that mean? It's, it's what Paul is saying. Man, it, it has created uh, long-term and short-term effects that are not healthy. When I look at the compulsions in my own soul, I see that reality too. Right? If, if I'm trying to please everyone, guess what? Guess who I'm leaving out? God, which is the only one that actually matters. You see, it, it, always, it always creates unintended consequences. I don't believe any of us are, are you know, struggling with what we're struggling, and, and, and we're doing it because we want to create unhealthy results in our life. That, that's not our goal, but that's what happens. And, and it becomes 
it becomes unmanageable. And, and the more that it takes hold, the more problems that it creates. Right, church? You feel like you can control it now, but you're lying to yourself. We, we are, I can't make a two-year-old eat a bowl of mac and cheese, <laughs> let alone change the deep dysfunction of my soul. You with me on this, church? We, we are powerless. Now, here's step two, and I think this is what Paul does. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. What does Paul say? He says, thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the power greater than you and me. So I, I have to see that I am powerless. That's the bad news. That the, the bad news is I, I can't figure this out. I can't, th this, this cycle in my soul, in my life, I, I, I can't do it. And I, I have to know that. And I have to state that. And I have to, to see one plus one equals two. Hey, this isn't working for me or my life. And then I need to see it's not the end of the story. Because there is help. There is help. There is a power greater than you and me. And we, and we don't even have to be vague about it. His name is Jesus Christ. His name is Jesus Christ. And he does not make it hard to get help from him. Did you hear that? He does not make it hard. He, he is willing to, to meet us in our need. Richard Rohr, I've been enjoying reading him quite a bit, but, but he talks about this step, and I just thought this was a great quote. Um, I've been thinking about it a lot, and maybe it will spark some thinking in you too. He says, to finally surrender ourselves to healing, we must have three spaces open within us, and all at the same time, our opinionated head, glad I don't have one of those, um, our closed down heart, Right? We, we shut down our heart and the pain and difficulty of life. It's just easier than facing it. But yet we must face it. And our defensive and defended body. I just want you to think about that today. How do we, how do we open all of those to God? I mean, and, and, and sometimes maybe it's even a bit of practice. I think our times of worship, we, we practice opening our bodies to God, which helps us open our heart and our mind. You with me on this, church? So how do we do it? So step three, last one for today. Made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. That's what I hear Paul doing in Romans 7. Who will set me free from this body of death? If I keep doing this on my own terms, in my own way, in my own power, here's the, here's the end of the story, death. Now, it may not be physical, it might be, but it will be emotionally and spiritually and relationally. You with me on this? Death can show up in many forms in our life. None of them are good. And so, so Paul, who will set me free who will set me free? Put that back up there for one more minute. Who will set me, thank you, from this, this body of death? Thanks be 
to Christ Jesus, my Lord. Now, now what does it look like? Here, it's very simple, really, church. It looks like you and I waking up this week, acknowledging these realities and saying, not today, Lord, not my will be done, but thy will be done. Church, that, that transition is huge. God, I'm powerless over this issue in my life. It's made my life. I, I can't do it. I'm acknowledging that. You are that power. And Lord, I am turning my will and my life over to you. Because it cannot be done any other way. And church, that might sound simple. But it's not. You got you got to commit to it moment by moment of every single day. You with me on this? And God will meet us in there. I've I've been reading the the Alcoholics Anonymous book and just uh, man blown away by how helpful and and how meaningful uh, the ideas in, in that book are. And, and I was reading about the, the story of one of the co-founders, Doctor Bob, and when he grew up. His uh, family made him go to church, you know, for every single day, almost. Not, not every day, but, but multiple times for a week. Maybe some of us grew, grew up like that. You know, you were in church Wednesday, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night. You were in church all the time. And, and this is how Dr. Bob grew up. And as a kid, he didn't like it. And so he said, as soon as I am an adult and I can make my own decisions, I'm not going to church. And that's what he did for his adult life. So for 40-some years, he didn't go to church. But what also happened during that time was he became addicted to alcohol. And it devastated his life. And he struggled with it, and he struggled with it. And, and the whole time, he was struggling with faith, too. Because of how he grew up and what he went through, the, the whole time he was just kind of sort of had this attitude, like if God is real, you know, why is life so hard? Why, you know, questions that, that we understand being there and maybe we've been there ourselves and, and, and he wrestled with that. But then there, there came a point where, where instead of questioning that direction, the thought occurred to his mind, in his mind, what, what is who made all of this? It's a little bit different question. And that change opened up a doorway of God's power and God's help. Just, just that shift. And, and here's, what, here's what I took away from it. That was so powerful to me. God does not make it hard to get help from him. Right, just changing, going from questioning, you know, and being skeptical to just kind of saying, well, who made all this? Like, that's not an amazing confession of faith, right? That, that's not like this bold declaration. Like, that's just such a subtle step. Like, that is, that is a, just a little, it's a little cute baby step towards God. But you know what I love so much about God? He will take that tiny little baby step and kick the door down into your heart and help you. Because that's how good he is, church. That's how good he is. You, you, if you want God's help today, he will not make it hard to get it. See, we have a kind and merciful and compassionate Christ. 
And he really will help you and me, church. And we really do need him. And so today, if all you can take is the smallest baby step towards him, then you take that step and you will be surprised at his kindness into your life. You don't think the help will only come if I dive in with both feet. Hey, if you're there, do that. You won't regret it. But if all you can do is take the smallest of steps, church, God doesn't make it hard to get help from him. He will meet you in there. And I'm grateful for that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the kindness of your heart towards us. Father, I am amazed, Lord, that sometimes the smallest step towards you, you see as an absolute open invitation into our lives. Father, I thank you that you are not the type of God that says, oh no, get everything in order, get the red carpet out, get, get the nice meal out, and then I'll come. But Lord, just the smallest turning towards you opens up your kind and generous heart towards us. Father, I am grateful, and I'm humbled by that. And Lord, we just, we just open our hearts this morning. We open our minds. We open our, our bodies to you. And Lord, we just declare we can't do life without you. We, we are truly powerless in all the ways that matter. But Lord, we know we're not helpless because you exist. Because you are for us. Because you are near to each and every one of us. And so, Lord, we turn our lives over to you. We pray the prayer of Jesus, not my will be done, but your will. And, Lord, we just give you the rights to our life. We give you the steering wheel. We give you everything we have. And we say, use it for your glory. Use it for your purpose. Because we trust you. And we pray all this in the great name of Jesus. Amen.